2: It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman.
0: What's up? What's happening? I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. And Hey, look, Logan. There's a third face on our screen. That's Daryl Ryder, ninety 92.3 The Fans, Browns Beat reporter, host of It's Always Game Day in Cleveland, our sister podcast on the Browns. I'll actually be on with them. Daryl, I heard you guys record it like some inhumane hour. Very late recording, but I'm going to do it just for you guys.
1: You know what? uh, Appreciate you taking the bullet, but, you know, we all have lives and things to do. So we, you know, we just try and we found a time that works for
0: everybody. I also just would like to clarify, I have a life as well. It just ends around six o'clock and I I go into, I go into non-life mode. I'm like, I don't want to do anything but sit on my couch so that's I mean, all right it's this, well, the,
1: the same way except for <laughs> i don't like getting up in the morning I, i'm mm. the opposite life for me doesn't begin till about noon that's like when i wake up so if you talk to me before noon i'm usually really really grumpy and then afternoon i'm just sort of grumpy
0: which is weird because your day job is covering the browns you think your day would get grumpier as it went
1: <laughs> well you know uh after doing it all these years you just accept it for what it is that's, I, you know, the the five stages of grief, I don't know where acceptance fits in, but that's <laughs> the stage that I'm at when it comes to the Browns.
0: So let me ask you this, because um, obviously, like, look, we've spent a lot of time this this year and over the past many years talking about all kinds of untoward things with the Washington organization, thanks to the owner uh, and some of the people that have worked here in the past. That's well covered. in any number of, uh, media outlets and also a congressional report, uh, for you guys this year, you know, bad football is one thing, but covering Watson and and the whole saga, that was the trade. And then ultimately the, how it's played out this season as there's been continued reporting, um, on the things that he did. and, And then ultimately now he's taken the field and, uh, we'll talk about the football and what that all means in a second. But like as someone on that beat covering that, what has this year been like compared to the other years that have you know, had their their share of off-the-field stories as well with Cleveland, but this, one, this one's pretty unique.
1: Well, let's just put it this way. When uh, they were going through the, the recruitment process and the news came out that the Browns had been eliminated, um, I celebrated. And then the next day when it came out that the Browns got them, I cried. Did that, you yeah.
2: actually cry? No. I, <laughs>
1: I wanted to because I knew what that was going to entail. Uh, a lot of non-football related things, a lot of very uncomfortable subjects that are, you know, going to have to be talked about. Uh, and that, so yeah, it, it was not, uh, great. Uh, I just basically sat there and said of all the quarterbacks they picked, why this guy? Um, but now that we, now that he's on the field, now that he has served his suspension, um, for all intents and purposes, at least from my perspective, unless there are new revelations that come out, that story goes in the file cabinet for now, um, and it's it's you know basically about football uh, for me. But if additional accusations come out, if additional litigation, it, you know there are still two active cases a- against him, and there's a chance he could settle on. There's a chance they could uh, go to trial. I know one of uh, the accusers absolutely wants to go uh, to trial, but. Um, You know, for me, I've tried to keep it about football as much as possible. Similar to you guys down in Washington, with all the external stuff that surrounds the Commanders franchise, you know, uh, you, you try and keep stick with the football stuff as as much as possible. And if there's any other relevant news that comes out, then obviously it's our job to cover that
0: yeah and and i've certainly been not afraid to talk about uh that stuff as well we do a lot more of that stuff on the radio than than we do necessarily here but from a football standpoint you also have a season that's like you're waiting on this guy for the entirety or almost the entirety of it now he's playing like what is what is the the what was it like around the building like what do the other players have or you have almost this like I don't know, like the season of purgatory where you're just waiting for the guy that you gave all that money and traded for and, and were willing to take on all the bad headlines to actually come in and play quarterback. So how, how did that play out in terms of the football storyline of the season?
1: Well, I mean, uh, Jacoby Brissett came in and I thought did a really good job. Unfortunately, they only won four of the first 11 games. And and if you would have told, told me without watching any of the games and anything transpired, yeah, that pretty much sounds about right. Went in four to seven with Jacoby Brissett as your starter. The problem is Jacoby played really, really well. In fact, Jacoby pl- has pl- played a lot better than we've seen Deshaun Watson play. Like, we have yet to see Deshaun Watson look like the player that they gave $230 million to. Now, there's built-in, I'm calling them excuses. There's built-in excuses, right? He played terrible at Houston. It was his first game back. He was, you know, throwing one-hop passes to receivers all afternoon long. Then bad weather started. So while well, it's kind of unreasonable, to expect that he's going to light up box scores when the weather is pretty terrible out there. Right. Uh, he played well down the stretch against the saints in those ungodly frigid, uh, you know, polar express conditions um, <laughs> that he had to play in. Just guys couldn't catch the football. He had three drop, the three potential uh, touchdowns that were dropped. So, it's tough to even evaluate the football aspect of things uh, with Deshaun Watson because there's so many mitigating circumstances or is normal fans call them excuses uh, as to why things haven't, you know, really been elevated to the level uh, that that people expected them to. So, um, you know, I, I don't know if players were sitting around those first 11 weeks, just waiting for Deshaun to arrive, and that all of a sudden was going to be the, the magic elixir. I hope not, because I really think that that's insulting to the quality work that Jacoby Brissett did for them. Um, so yeah, I, I hope that's not the case. I just hope that you know there are tangible reasons because that—that's what I'm trying to figure out. Why you have all this talent, and the Cleveland Browns still can't win football games. It, it, it's maddening.
2: Well, I would say like uh, in terms of watching, I'll watch a lot of Cleveland this week, you know, which is a good and bad thing, obviously. But I will say that, um, you know, one of the things that stuck out to me is just how the defensive side of the football struggles for them. You know, offensively, I think there's a consistency, especially with prosthetic quarterback. They seem to have a nice identity. Obviously, there's been a transition for whatever reason in the run game since uh, Watson's kind of taken the, uh, the helm. But defensively, like, what is, in your opinion, the issue there? They've got a lot of talented pieces. They've got a lot of young people who are very athletic. It just seems it doesn't quite gel. They're not always on the same page. What's, what's the story there?
1: Uh, that is the story. And it's mm-hmm. been like this for three years. Um, I I would be somewhat surprised if Joe Woods, the defensive coordinator, survives. This is year three for him uh, running that side of the ball. And you, you, Logan, you you summed up the Browns defense. That's what it's been the whole year. The confusion. They've had to burn timeouts because they don't know what personnel supposed to be on the field at what time, or they don't have the right number of personnel on the field. This, the, the, The season defensively for the Cleveland Browns can be boiled down to a 30-second sequence that occurred at the end of the first half in Detroit against the Buffalo Bills, in which uh, the Browns saw a formation that uh, they weren't prepared for, so they called defensive timeout. Okay, smart. Good job, right? Let's make sure we get this right. Don't give up a touchdown right before the half. The very next play... Bill score wide open touchdown, like Mm -hmm. not a defender within like three feet, you know, 30 feet of a guy. And that sums up the Browns defense in totality where you sit there and you say, well, what the hell did you just spend 60 seconds talking about? How does that happen? Um, The Jets game in which they were up 30 to 17 with a buck 50 on the clock, right? Um, They lose that game uh, 31 to 30. Because the defense again, everyone's looking at each other. It's it's the Spider Man meme. That's the Browns defense. <laughs> Everybody's pointing at each other. You was that you? Was that you? Was that you? Was it you? Like so. That is basically uh, a summation of that side of the football, and it's it's really disappointing because as you said, they have talent on uh, on that side of the ball. This is not a situation where we're sitting up here in Cleveland five years ago saying, "Well, let's see." They have no pass rusher. They have no this they don't have that they don't have like they have the cornerstones now every team has holes on their roster let's be honest about it there's no such even super bowl champions there's no such thing as a perfect roster but what always amazes me and this goes for you guys down in washington or it's out in san francisco where they've got a rookie quarterback that a lot of people mr irrelevant is winning games for them right now like it it's amazing to me how so many NFL franchises find a way to win. It isn't always pretty, but they just they find a way. Whatever is thrown at them, they find a way. Washington's doing the same thing this year. And the Cleveland Browns always find excuses and ways to lose. Mm.
2: Well, that's the other thing that's interesting about that statement, right? Because like the Browns' defense, they seem to be like a pretty, I won't say simple defense, but it seems to be pretty straightforward. They like to run a lot of cover three. They run man in short yardage situations. So it seems like... It shouldn't be that complicated. But yeah, but it
1: is. Like, yeah. that's that's what's amazing about this is when we talk to the players, they don't want to call anyone out. Um, it's an interesting locker room. It, it's a locker room full of really good guys. It's it's mm-hmm. not a bad locker room. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a quiet locker room, though. Not not many players that are in, you know, they kind of keep everything in house. They try not to make headlines when they speak to us. But, it's a pretty young team, though, too. I think that's something yeah. that's interesting about it. But they, confusion is like the the buzzword. Like mm-hmm. you know, it, it, you know people. You have players talking about yeah, you know, it gets a little complex at times, and we're not on the same page, and we're not thinking what we're supposed to be thinking when we're supposed to be thinking it, or we're thinking somebody's supposed to do something that doesn't get done, and, mm-hmm. and Joe Woods then will come out and say, yeah, I gotta, I gotta, you know, tighten the menu and this that. And it's like no. The menu should be tight to start with. And then when you get into the game, then you, you add the sides and the dessert and everything else. You don't go in with the whole shebang and then, and then things aren't going right. Say, so, well, we're gonna take away the dessert and we're gonna take away the bread. Then the mashed potatoes gotta go. And we're just gonna stick to the the steak. That's it. That's all that's the basics. And so uh, like I said, I I will be surprised if Joe Wood survives this because there's been entirely too much confusion. I think the defense is more complicated than it needs to be. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, I don't know if they have the players to effectively run whatever it is that Joe Woods wants to run the way Joe Woods wants to run it. Now, I never question football players' intelligence, and I never question their effort because I have a tremendous amount of respect for the intelligence that's required to play in the NFL and the effort that is required to play in the NFL. But what I will question is I will question execution. I will question use of personnel and I will, uh, you know, question, um, uh, you know, situation game management.
0: It sounds almost Logan, like some of the things we were talking about with Del Rio when this defense Early, was struggling yeah. earlier in the year. Um, we kind of had this thing where, uh, you know, defensively all the players were like, Oh, it's really complicated. We have to get this check and that check and this thing and that thing. And then like Jay Gruden, who obviously was a coach here for a long time would go on, uh, our uh, radio stations and talk about what it was like to face Del Rio as an offensive coordinator or as an offensive head coach. And he'd be like, yeah, Jack's defense is pretty simple. And it's like, well, if it's simple, if it's simple for the opponent and hard for you, it doesn't seem like a, a good formula. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's bad. That's definitively bad. Miles um, Garrett's continued to be great. 13 and a half sacks. On the year, is he still a guy like? How are those sacks coming? Is he a guy that can still ruin a game? Is he a guy that that has ruined some games for offenses this year? Or are they kind of coming garbage time and, and stat accumulation? By Logan's reaction, I'm going to say it's probably the former.
1: Uh, ask Tom Brady how the because <laughs> <was his friend. laughs> Miles Garrett destroyed that game. It's a little bit of both. I mean, yes, there have been times where the the, the sacks have come at times in the game in which there wasn't a significant impact on the game but then there have been times like the Tampa Bay game where the game is online and and Miles Garrett has just absolutely ruined Tom Brady's
0: afternoon very (laughs) relevant question here in Washington because the last two star defensive ends they've faced have won conference player of the week Kavon Thibodeau and Nick Bosa (laughs) won it back to back in the NFC so Miles Garrett uh, congratulations you might be AFC defensive player of the week this week if things continue
1: yeah, and he's he's still playing with a bad shoulder. Of course, he got in that car accident at the end of September. Mm, but he has, he has played through that injury the entire season. And to me, that's been the amazing thing is that he's still putting up his numbers and he's nowhere near 100%. And he's a guy that gets double and triple teamed and chipped and uh, you name it. They, they threw everything in but the kitchen sink at the guy. And yet he is still able – to put up the the type of numbers that he's able uh, to put up, but yeah, he could he he could wreck your afternoon in a heartbeat. There's no question about it. Um, but he's he's played hurt since uh, the end of September, and it's been incredible to watch him at times because I, I just I have seen him after games where it is a struggle for him just to lift the t shirt over his head to, to put it on. So the fact that he has been able to do what he's been able to do is like the, the guy just isn't human. <laughs> he really isn't. It's incredible.
2: Well, I think that's been the interesting thing. Like when you watch him, obviously he's very productive and he, you know, his effort is a little bit up and down, but he's just so physically gifted. He can wreck at any moment. There hasn't been a lot of complimentary pass rush pieces to him, right? It's like teams. If you can kind of take away miles Garrett, then it's, there's not a lot going on. And you do have some guys with, some athleticism, like uh, Bryant, Federian uh, not Fiderian, um the kid from Oklahoma, the defensive tackle. Jordan um, Elliott. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, all those guys. They've got pass rush juice, but no one seems to kind of be pass rushing outside of yeah. Miles Garrett. Is, <laughs> what's going on with that?
1: Well, the, the defensive line is not nearly as strong, and I think that that is one of the sins of uh, the GM, Andrew Barry, in the offseason, mm-hmm. that he really failed – to effectively address defensive tackle the you know Jadavian Clowney certainly hasn't put up the type of numbers this year uh that he did last year at nine sacks last year he only has two of them uh this year he's been on and off the field yeah. with some lingering injuries uh, he practiced on Wednesday first time since uh, suffering a concussion uh against the Ravens in the first half he's dealt with an ankle and foot injury this year that's been somewhat problematic but defensive tackle is not very strong uh their linebacking core has just absolutely been decimated due to injury four starters have uh basically ended on injured reserve starting uh with anthony walker um and it is just you know it's been unfortunate so that's i think one of the reasons not to make excuses but it is uh, you know valid to bring up when your four rotational linebackers are all on injured reserve um yeah, I mean it, it it totally makes sense that you're going to struggle in the middle of your defense there, uh, not only on the ground but but even, you know, stopping the passing game on those quick slants across the middle.
0: Uh, what do you expect on Sunday in terms of a prediction? Pain. Lots of pain. <laughs> For who, Daryl? There's going to be oh, pain somewhere. Well, it's a Browns Washington game. Of course yeah. there's going to be pain. Who's going to
1: suffer it? I'm probably I'm probably gonna say the Browns. You know, Washington has a lot to play for. They're still in it. If they, they I mean, they are. There is a scenario this weekend. Yes. If Washington wins, and they. I think it's the Lions, the Seahawks, and the Packers lose. Then Washington is in, or if Washington wins their final two two games, it's winning in for them. If I understand those scenarios correctly, so right. uh, there's a lot of motivation there. What's interesting to me when I look at Washington. Um, you know, between between Heineke and Wentz, there's not much of a difference when you look at them on paper. Like the stats are a carbon copy, um, and I, you guys obviously are aware of the, the history of Carson Wentz and the Cleveland Browns and. Uh, he's 1-1 one and one against the, the Browns, embarrassed him in his NFL debut with Philadelphia, and then the second time he played him and the Browns were able to get the best of him. But I, I do like Washington to win this game because the Commanders, quite frankly, have something to play for, whereas the Browns, Browns are basically playing for pride and jobs. And when you get to that point in the season, it's really hard to p- predict that team uh, you know, to, to win. But um, I think that the Commanders will handle their business this weekend and beat the Browns. It'll be a good game, though. I don't think it's going to be a, a snooze fest. The weather's supposed to be nice. That's I think the one thing that the Commanders have to worry about is this could potentially be the Deshaun Watson breakout game. This yeah. really could because weather is not going to be a factor. He's really established some chemistry with David Njoku and Amari Cooper there. We've seen that here. And so weather's not going to be a factor. That's the one thing, if I'm Washington, that I'd be very, very worried about that this could be the uh uh-oh, Deshaun Watson is back game.
0: Yeah, it's something I know, Logan, that we're about to talk about uh, from your film study as well. So we will get into that in just a moment. If you want more from Daryl and more from the Cleveland side of things, it's always game day in Cleveland is the podcast. You can also listen. 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland, our Odyssey station there. Well programmed by that Andy fella. But don't tell him I said that. Uh, Daryl Ryder, everybody, here on Take Command.